Well, I wasn't really expecting to be first, so this is exciting. Um, I had notes, but I threw them away, so stop me if I ramble. Um, for my whole life, I have really struggled to accept the love of God for me without feeling like I had to earn it. Um, and that was like, it took me a while to figure out that that's what it was, but it was a really big thing junior and senior year of high school, and then I feel like at every accountability meeting that I have at home group, I share that. It feels like a broken record. Um, and I think it manifests in my relationship with people in that I tend to think of myself as a burden, and like I don't want to share things that I'm struggling with or like ask for time from people because my struggles aren't as important, and I don't know. Um, but it's been something that I've really struggled with and prayed about and shared with people and asked for prayer for a very long time. And I never felt like I was getting anywhere with it. Like I wasn't, I wasn't seeing any fruits, I wasn't making any progress. Um, and then a couple months ago, something shifted. And it was right around when we were spending a lot of time in the beginning of Ephesians and talking about how much God loves us and has blessed us and how we have to start from there. Um, <clears throat> and I think it was something that was growing, but that was really an important part of moving. Um, and I started seeing a shift. Like, I, um, I'm not driven by guilt that I'm not a good enough Christian all the time. Or, <clears throat> sorry, I'm more comfortable reaching out and asking for people to help me and things. Um, and it's definitely still a process, and I think I have to relearn a lot of my ways of relating to God and relating to people. But I, for so many years, have not seen any progress. And, like, I'm starting to see fruit there. And I just wanted to share because I'm very encouraged. And um, I think I have hope that I didn't have there before that I am, have been able to accept God's grace for me in that, and I think I'm seeing more of his deliverance there. Um, so I'm just blessed and encouraged, and I wanted to share with you all in hopes that it would bless you. Hi. Um, Several years ago, uh, we took the plumb line class as a church, and that was the first time I'd ever heard that people typically tend either toward fear or toward pride, and I instantly knew I tend toward fear with that, and that's something God's been working on me with a long time, and it's just like peeling it like the layers of an onion. Perhaps it's from being a mom, but I've always tended to fear that something bad might ha happen to my family. Um, something that I couldn't control. I also have this unknown fear out there that persecution, you know, may come to the church, and what am I going to do then? Oh, no. Um, and I've always had a fear of witnessing to people. Um, and that probably comes, I have a strong aversion to conflict. And the Lord's, you know, been working on me for years to go deal with it when I need to deal with conflict. But God has really used these teachings, both in Ephesians and in Daniel, to rooting out this fear in my life because he doesn't want me to stay in fear. In this past year, I have had many occasions for fear to manifest itself. A lot of y'all have walked through these things with me. We had a natural gas leak followed by um, 
several days with no heat downstairs in, uh, in the winter. We had our water heater started leaking the night before we were going on vacation. Our downstairs AC broke this summer. Charles's car had a piston slap, meaning that his engine was going to need to be replaced. Then Charles broke a bone in his hand and needed surgery. And I look at all the life changes going on. My kids have graduated, changed jobs, look for new places to live, and now my youngest is about to leave to go to college. So all this emotional stuff where fear might typically manifest itself. All these things are life changes which are outside my control. And I feel like God has kind of lumped them all together and told me these are the cares of this world. But God has actively managed each and every one of them. And he has made them turn out better than anything I could have done or even imagined. Um, Charles wound up getting a new engine in his car for free. Um, and he doesn't even have pain with his broken bone. Um, I have never before considered the significance of the words in Christ. I would just pass through them and think, oh, that means we belong to Christ. But it goes so much deeper. Chad said in one of the first sermons, we are united to him so everything in him can flow to us. We have access to his wisdom and his resources. We have a new identity in him. And this idea of being able to go to him for resources was new to me. Um, I am learning to access those resources, and I'm starting, like, like Rachel said, this is a matter of training, but I'm learning to think differently. I'm trying to go quicker to God with my concerns, like a little child who scraped his knee needs to run to mom, you know, to get it fixed. And if I go to God for resources, I'm going to have more peace, I'm going to have more joy, and I'm going to fear less. Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. I've had a head knowledge of this, but experiencing the experience of going to the source of joy in a troubling time is still new. Um, God always takes us deeper in our relationship with him. If I had lived Daniel's life, been taken into captivity in a pagan land and forced to serve pagan kings, I would have just melted into a puddle of tears, you know, in my own strength. But seeing how Daniel remained peaceful and faithful in that impossible situation has been life-changing for me. It's given me a lot of hope. It's not about me and what I can do, what strength I have. It's about me learning to use God's strength and go to him and get his resources. Um, so may God work that kind of steel into me and into all of us. Two nights ago, um, I started texting with a friend who left the church years ago. She told me she was lonely and depressed. And God gave me so much love for her that I just started sharing with her. You need to come back to church. You need to open up, read the Psalms. Um, you need to, yeah, come back to church. I have never been this bold with her. She's been my friend for over 20 years. I think my kids were in diapers. And then I realized, wait a minute, I'm sharing my faith with her and I have no fear of this. It's like God's giving me you know, the love for people that helps me, you know, I'm not thinking about the fear. And if Daniel can stand before kings and speak truth, surely I can speak truth to those people around me and to my friends. But the key for me is running to God like a little child and letting him give me the resources I need. Because on my own, I tend toward fear. But peace is one of those resources that he can give. And I love Kelly's final point last week. If you're rooted in love, no circumstance will overwhelm you. 
And for me, this means fear can't either. Fear can't overwhelm me. Ephesians 3.12, we have boldness, which Chad said is the total freedom to be honest, and access with confidence through our faith in Jesus. So Lord, teach me, teach us how to reach for your resources. Make us bold in you. I've come to a better understanding of my identity in Christ and God's grace in my life. In the past, I've found myself wanting to be seen a certain way or wondering what kind of person I am or what kind of person I'm going to become um, and trying to control that, I guess, in a way or just be worried about it, what I'll be known for. Um, God has shown me how much freedom comes from Accepting the fact that I can't make myself good and anything good in me or in my life is from God and only by God's grace. Um, I need to strive for him and he will make me what I need to be. It is such a relief um, that I can't do it on my own and I can't earn um, God's love, sort of similar to what Rachel said. And I can't um, do anything on my own or try to keep like striving to make things a certain way or feel like I'm in control of anything and so I really feel like a huge weight has been lifted off of me and just learning to rest in what God has for me day to day and not worrying about the future. Um, Kelly's point of Daniel living a meaningful life in circumstances he did not choose reminded me that I learned that a few months ago (laughs) and there are often times that I think or feel Um, in certain situations that if I only had more time or money or energy or was this way or if something was certain a certain way then I could have a meaningful life or I could be a better blessing or be something else and so I took that to remind myself that whatever circumstance I find myself in um, God can still use it for good and my life can still be of meaning to him even if I don't see it that way or know exactly how that's going to turn out. So. I'm not as tall as this girl. <laughs> uh, forgive me if I ramble. Uh, so, my... What was on my heart to share was just um, bringing back up the point um, Chad um, shared in his sermon two weeks ago about um, sitting before God and receiving from him, because that really struck me. Um, I guess growing up in the church, my dad um, was like a leader in JCF, and he's always serving the church, and would, he was really good about bringing us into that. And so that's just been a big part of my life is, like, serving the church, doing. Um, But I guess part of me has a hard time receiving. Um, I think there's a pride complex in thinking that I can do things. Um, And, like, I want to help people, 
I want to give. Um, and so whenever you shared about Mary and Martha, I was like, yes, I know it's better to be Mary. But I guess in my heart of hearts, I've always really sympathized with Martha and been like, I want to serve, I want to help, I want to um, be doing, and like, why is Mary just sitting there? Um, so that really struck me that seeing like, oh, that's my heart. I need my, I need God to change my heart to sit and receive before I even think about um, help of helping others um, and serving. Because and your point about. Um, do not even think of giving to God until you have received from him. That was just really tough um, for me personally. So I've been like meditating on that and being really um, intentional to just take a piece of time each morning to really sit before God and intentionally, actively just have a heart of receiving. And even though it's only been two weeks, I've already seen um, fruit from that, um, like beforehand, I was always feeling like worn out and weary and just kind of dragging through the days, but um, really taking that space and make, taking time to make that space. Um, my days have been uh, just so much more joyful, um, had more energy, just, I don't know, God's just blessing me through that. Um, and I think it's because I'm coming to him first and receiving and then all everything else in life flows from that. So if you're like me and you are more like Martha, then I just encourage you to ask God to help you change your heart <laughs> to be like Mary and um, be intentional to um, take time to receive because receiving is active, not passive. Sit, stand, sit, stand, right? Jeez, this is a, there's a lot to, okay, all right, Chad, all right, here we go. Paul, you're somewhere in the middle, okay? How good is this? I mean, I've got a third of a journal. We've been in these two books for six months, and we can talk about sitting and the posture and the heart posture and what that's taught us. I'm going to talk about standing, how good and complex Yet worthy is this, this time tonight. I mean, it is, it is really good. So I'm grateful to be up here sharing as well. I'm going to talk about standing and the challenge that I'm going to live out from this teaching. And I think that, you know, I go back to joy and fasting that Kate and I and several others have talked about during the last couple of fasts. And I think we'll leave here, many of us will, with a posture. And for me, the posture will be can I stand? Will I stand on whom's, on, on my own two feet, on my own strength, and the strength of in Christ and the Holy Spirit? Steve Patton is not here tonight, but he and I were texting earlier today, and he was going to share, and we just wrapped up home group and talked about all the many people who were likely going to share, and Steve's car is broken down. Likely his new car that he just got uh, is broken down with grandkids, so him and Laura are figuring this out. So right now is my brother taking the posture that is, I can stand in this scenario. Am I standing for Christ? Am I standing on my own? Will I falter? I don't know. I prayed for Steve on the way over here. I pray that he takes the right posture for this circumstance that he's in. So for me, obviously, both Ephesians 
and uh, Daniel's life talk about standing. Will I stand or will I fall? And as I started thinking about sharing and started thinking about, in particular, application and challenge, where will I go from here? I think I have to wrestle with that. and I don't think I'm done wrestling with it. Both Ephesians and Daniel speak to it. Both speak to a posture. Both speak to being rooted and grounded in Christ. We see a life of a man. And many of us in youth talked about it as well, right? Not 20 years, not a couple stages of a young man's life, but maybe 90 years plus. So how long was he, will you be rooted in Christ so that you can change your posture, so you can adapt, so you can grow, so you can be aware of the posture you need to be taking? How long will I be rooted in him, be seeking discipleship, be seeking growth, so my posture matches how he needs to use me, where I need to grow? I like to think that I would stand. I think we all like to think that. But we live pretty good lives, and so we don't oftentimes, I speak for myself, I don't oftentimes find myself having to challenge the rootedness in which I believe I would stand on. I don't know. I don't know. Have I insulated my family and myself too much? That I actually don't get the chance to stand or to test that posture? Do I jump to standing too often? You all know me. That I want to stand and I want to do things on my own. I'm pretty uh, control-driven, pretty power-driven. But my own what? Feeble legs? My own selfish or worldly understanding? My limited understanding of the situation? It's not my preference to sit, that's for sure. So to start with sitting is something that, as I talk about standing a lot tonight, maybe you come up and challenge me in the weeks to come. Are you sitting? Are you first sitting, Adam, before you take on standing? And do I wait for perceived perfection or a life, uh, or like Daniel, do I just trust and step out in faith? I thought that was really interesting when he didn't have the true perfect vision for the dream, and we talked about this at home group as well, that he just said, all right, set me a time. I'll go speak to the king. Come on, help me, like, help me here, Lord. What am I doing? But he did step out, and he took a posture of faith. So I'm not done with Ephesians or Daniel. I don't think many of us are. I think the challenge is the life worthy of inspection and the life well lived will be, will I? Will I sit? Will I stand? Or will you? Right, it said, will I stand or will I fall? Will you fall or will you stand rooted in Christ? So I think as a church, we need to continue to seek the posture. And I will be doing this and I ask that you do it with me. I'm not, the learning was great but the challenge is high. And uh, help me with my posture. Love y'all. You guys are great. Uh, Everybody just, can I get everybody just to look around? Just turn your heads. I mean, really turn, really look. Don't just, really look. Because I get excited because when I want to see the kingdom of God, I just look around. And God is moving. He is always, I mean, he's always doing something. Uh, so, you know, the, looking at Daniel, Daniel, he, he gave himself to the call. 
He gave himself to what God was doing. And I like standing up here so I can see your faces. So when I, when I pray for the church, I can relate to the actual people who build the church, who are making the church. Um, so this is a pleasure and a, and a blessing for me to, to actually see everybody's faces instead of back of heads or, or wandering around the church just trying to look. Um, but Daniel gave himself to the call. And let's see. He was called for his time and his generation. So he had a love for his people. He had a love for his country. He had a love for his God. And, um, and he understood his part. So when I, when I look at his life, I see the life of the church. We're all not going to read handwritings on the wall. We're all not going to interpretate dreams. Um, we're not going to be, all of us aren't going to be that. But what we are going to be is we are going to be the people of God. We're going to be, we're going to be husbands, wives, brothers, sisters, workers, uh, employers, employees. In those, in those lives, in our lives, that's what God is doing. Um, there is a, a song that literally woke me up. Uh, the other night, it's like 2.30, 3 in the morning. It's a Jewish song, and it's, it's Hava... No, I don't know. You know what I'm talking about? The one they sing, it's, and it basically just means, let's celebrate, let's rejoice. It's... I was like, what is that all about? So I got to look, and I was like, rejoice. So in these days and times, whether we choose them or not, Let's know God, and let's rejoice in who we are. You know, God is great, and he's put good things in us because of him. You know, we are here for our day and our time and for the people around us. I don't know what that looks like, per se, but, you know, we are beautifully and wonderfully made. We are wanted and valued by God. We are worth dying for or worth raising from the dead and worth not giving up on, according to him. Um, so for myself, you know, I'm getting older. You know, when, I, when, when Kelly pointed out Daniel was probably like in his 80s, I was like, yeah. <laughs> you know, because I also you know, thought about, um, you know, Abraham. Abraham was old and having kids. I don't want kids, but <laughs> the point is he's, he's getting older. You know, so... It's not like we never retire. God is always working through us, and he's always blessing somebody because of And the other thing I realized, too, is that, and I think I maybe shared this with the home group, but there are people out there praying, and they're, they're asking God for help. They're asking God for something, and they're seeking. And God wants to use his church, his bride, us, to be that answer. So... You know, fear not. Step out in faith and walk. Because you know, we very well could be the answer to, to somebody's prayer that God wants us to use us for. So that's, that's all I got. Two similar ideas from sermons on Daniel kept coming back to me as I thought about 
what I might share tonight. Um, Like Daniel, Kelly charged us to be so good that we can't be ignored and to make a better offer to the world. It strikes me that that doesn't just happen, even in a really great church um, with really great people, it doesn't just happen. Um, He said that we all have the potential to be so good that we can't be ignored, but we have to have a vision for it, and then we have to give ourselves to cultivating an excellent spirit. I've been thinking about getting a vision for the way I go about the details of my life. It can be easy to go along with the way of doing things around here in the church or the way of doing things in classical education for me, whatever it is. It can be easy to go along without really thinking about every detail and seeing how it points me to the vision that I have or the vision that God has for that thing. On the other hand, it can be easy to see some drawn line or some tradition and not immediately see its purpose and then kind of dismiss it without thinking much about it. But both of those things, both of those habits for me, lead to me not being able to do the second part of what he said, um, giving myself to cultivate an excellent spirit. Um, So I've been really trying to think about the details. and making sure that I see how they fit in with the vision. So for for me, that might be, why am I writing this quiz that they don't want to take? I don't want to grade. Why am I doing it? Well, everyone gives, you give quizzes, you take quizzes, you grade quizzes. Um, But I've been trying to think about a more meaningful explanation of why I give quizzes. Um, And lots of things like that. I've been really encouraged to be more thoughtful in the details. Um, Kelly mentioned one of the better offers that the church gives is a a different priority of work and church and people. The the way my mind goes as I prepare and my friends prepare for school is what we give ourselves to in education. The moms and teachers have been on my heart, um, and I'm praying that God, they would meet God, we would meet God, and get a vision for every detail of school um, so that we can be and raise people who are too good to be ignored. Teachers and moms don't get that many chances to evangelize in the streets or on campus, and we're not usually in the halls of government either. But I think what we can do is we can make a better offer to the world through the children we influence. So that's um, what I'm going away with from these sermons. All right. So in CTS, we studied Ephesians 1 for, I think, a whole week or maybe two. And I think that that was probably the first time that I really understood the love of God for me. I grew up obviously knowing God loved me, but that taught me, taught my heart. Um, But it also kind of, it kind of leaves you dizzy. And I think it probably should because it's a lot to take in, but it can be hard to know 
how to respond. Um, so recently, and actually pretty much my whole life, I've been a worrier. Um, I worry about doing the right thing. I want to do the right thing. I want to make the right choices. I want to do well because I want to please God and I want to, I think, please people more than I should. Um, so actually a few people have already mentioned uh, Mr. Han's point from last week about how Daniel didn't choose his circumstances and he had some pretty hard circumstances in his life and yet he still trusted God and lived a meaningful and fulfilled life. So that was really encouraging to me. Um, And as I listened to a few of the sermons in preparing for tonight, I had a few points that kind of struck me as ways that I can do what Daniel did and live in Christ. And one of them was, I forget which one, I don't have references, I wish I did, but one of them was putting on Christ every day like I put on my clothes. Not like, oh yeah, all right, it's another day I'm going to put on Christ, but making the mental choice just as you would choosing your clothes to put on Christ and to live in Christ. Um, and then another one was every like thanking God for every little thing. And in doing so, you redeem the times. Um, it's obviously you want to be a grateful person, but you can thank him for the fact that you woke up, your coffee, just like everything throughout the day. And I think that will help at least me, not be so fearful about making wrong choices. Um, And then the third was, um, we don't maybe sacrifice animals anymore, but the sacrifice of our time and attention is our life's blood. And that really matters. Um, So I don't necessarily need to have the right degree or get the right amount of money or have a family or get anything to show for it. I just need to Um, out of love for God, um, spend my time and spend my attention on people Um, and, like, do it happily. Like, I I don't know. I get the image of buying gas right now. It's like you're just, you know, putting a bunch of money, but that feels painful, but instead it should be, like, just throw all the money, throw all my attention because I'm so happy to Um, because Christ just poured out his blood for us in the same way. He was so happy to do that. So that idea of sort of like spending my life on other people and on God. And then the, wait, no, that was the wrong one. Oh, this kind of is the same point, but striving to seek the Lord to feed his sheep and to love his people instead of just worrying about myself all the time will help that as well. So even though like it is just kind of overwhelming and dizzying the love of God for me, there's a clear response. And it's not like I have to do something great or I have to make the right series of right choices to get to the right goal. It's just to live daily in Christ and to um, love his people and to worship him by being grateful. And I have kind of been thinking independently of Mary's response to the angel. She says, I'm the handmaiden of the Lord, be it unto me as you have said. And that's just very precious to me to think that I am the handmaiden of the Lord. Just right there, that's so precious. We can call ourselves the servants, the handmaidens of the Lord. Um, And out of that, 
uh, be it unto me as you have said. Everything in my life can be worshipped to God, regardless of what it looks like. And I don't have to make all the right choices, necessarily. I just have to love God. So, yes. A few weeks ago, I had shared with our home group that I was just so impressed by the fact that we have this lifespan of Daniel from the time he was about 18 to 80, where he never had a hiccup. And over and over again, he's challenged, and um, he always does what God would want him to do. And he never faltered, as Kelly said in his wrap-up sermon. So when I was praying about tonight, um, I was thinking about the fact that the book starts when Daniel is about 18. So I don't want to embarrass anyone, but just really quick, if you are an incoming college freshman, I want you to stand up. Okay. You can sit back down. You have to stay standing, but so we can look at you for a moment. Because I feel like God laid on my heart specifically a word for each of you. Um, I think sometimes there's points in life where you come to a place and you feel like, well, maybe this is the time where I step out or I um, go against maybe what I've always been in and around. And for those of you who have stood up, I know, I've known most of you for most of your life, and you have been in a culture that has been very protected and very secure. And you're getting ready to step into a different type of culture. And so in the second point, um, Kelly said in his wrap-up sermon was that Daniel had to breathe the cultural air. You are about to breathe the cultural air more than you ever had for your entire life, probably. So I just want to encourage you as you start this next step of your life to continue to study Daniel and see how every time he was challenged by the cultural air, he went to the Lord. And the Lord gave him words, the Lord protected him, and he was able to stand firm in what God called him to do amidst the challenges that he had. So I just want to encourage each of you specifically um, as you go into this next phase of life that God is with you. You don't have to step outside of his bounds. You can live in the cultural air and still stand strong for the Lord. So this is super encouraging for me, and I want to give everybody just a last encouragement. Um, I know Kelly will second this. It is so helpful to hear what people get from sermons. <laughs> it really is. Uh, you feel like you're not, uh, I don't know, you feel like you're doing something that matters. And I would just encourage you to tell, you know, tell Kelly or tell me anytime, hey, I really like that point, I appreciated that point, whatever. Um, it is so encouraging to hear how God is challenging everybody. Uh, and so I'm just grateful for what everybody shared. Um, we sort of started in love and, and ran through, and love was the theme throughout. Let me just mention a couple of scriptures. Daniel 11.32 is a really important one for us. They that do know their God shall be strong and do exploits. Um, I would connect that to knowing the love of God. They that know God and his love for them aren't rattled, aren't shaken. 
and can walk confidently in the good works that he's prepared in advance for us to walk in, whether those good works are seemingly small or seemingly great. Um, so we're going to come to the table, and the table is in particular we were, where we remind ourselves that the Son of God paid attention to us. He spent his time, his life's blood, to draw us back to the Father's house. And so just once again, let's begin in love, begin in receiving the love that God has lavished on us. Let me read this um, institution of the Lord's Supper passage out of Mark. And as they were eating, he took bread, and after blessing it, broke it and gave it to them and said, Take, this is my body. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, and they all drank of it. And he said to them, This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many. Truly I say to you, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until the day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God.